Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. The historical timeline of the cosmos did not begin with disease and death as part of the plan. But that is not only what we experience, so did ancient Israel. Interestingly, they also believed that the promised Messiah would have power over disease and death, too. Imagine that. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to episode 1967 of our journey together through the Bible. Glad you've chosen to not be alone as we do this reading through the Bible in a year stuff together, and hopefully together seeking to be transformed by reading through every word of God's mind in print and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, one part of which is a Family Friday shout out to listener Linda, who got married yesterday. So excited for you. Turning to our New Testament segment, in terms of the book of John, chapter 1 is an introduction to the entire book, and then chapters 2 through 4 reveal how people were interested in Jesus and his miracles. But chapters 5 through 7 that we kick off today chronicle the shift from curiosity to opposition and from interest to persecution. But remember what I said about the promised Messiah being one who would have the power over disease and death? Well, John chapter 5. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had been already been there a long time, Jesus said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. And he replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed didn't know who it was, because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore, so something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. All right, that gets us up through verse 16 of John 5. And I'm just pausing right there because not only is chapter 5 a really long chapter, but we've got a good chunk to get through if we want the Old Testament to hang together today. But remember this, the persecution of Jesus provides him with an opportunity to reveal his authority over all mankind, right, by way of 
showing that he has power over sin and death, and to confront the religious leaders with their rebellion against God. Turning to our Old Testament segment, it's time to jump tracks again on our parallel timeline from Isaiah, which we just finished up, back to Kings slash Chronicles. And maybe you remember at the very end of Second Kings 20, um, the story that we heard of Hezekiah's folly, right, which contributed to the pronouncement of judgment on Israel or that Babylon would conquer them. Albeit, the pronouncement came in a manner that said, this won't happen till after you're dead. And then he says, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not? If there will be peace and security during my lifetime. <laughs> Remarkably, Hezekiah bore a son named Manasseh, who would then go on to undo all that he, he meaning Hezekiah, had achieved in turning Judah back to God. And I said Israel earlier. I met Judah. There we go. Second Kings 21 on a keeping it real kind of Friday here. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had destroyed and reestablished the altars for Baal. He made an Asherah, as King Ahab of Israel had done. He also bowed in worship to all the stars in the sky and served them. He built altars in the Lord's temple, where the Lord had said, Jerusalem is where I will put my name. He built altars to all the stars in the sky in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. He sacrificed his son in the fire, practiced witchcraft and divination, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight, angering him. Manasseh set up a carved image of Asherah, which he had made, in the temple that the Lord had spoken about to David and his son Solomon when he said, I will establish my name forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. I will never again cause the feet of the Israelites to wander from the land I gave to their ancestors, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, the whole law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they didn't listen. Manasseh caused them to stray so that they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord said through his servants, the prophets, Since King Manasseh of Judah has committed all these detestable acts, worse evil than the Amorites who we preceded him to done, and by means of his idols has also caused Judah to sin, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, I am about to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that everyone who hears about it will shudder. I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line used on Samaria and the mason's level used in the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem clean as one wipes a bowl, wiping it and turning it upside down. I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and hand them over to their enemies. They will become plunder and spoil to all their enemies." because they have done what is evil in my sight and have angered me from the day their ancestors came out of Egypt until today. Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem with it from one end to another. This was in addition to his sin 
that he caused Judah to commit so that they did what was evil in the Lord's sight. The rest of the events of Manasseh's reign, along with all his accomplishments and the sin that he had committed, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Manasseh rested with his ancestors and was buried in the garden of his own house, the garden of Uzzah. His son Ammon became king in his place. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Mushulameth, daughter of Haruvs, and she was from Jatba. He did what was uh, evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. He walked in all the ways his father had walked. He served the idols his father had served and bowed in worship to them. He abandoned the Lord his God and the God of his ancestors and did not walk in the ways of the Lord. Ammon's servants conspired against him and put the king to death in his own house. The common people killed all who had conspired against King Ammon, and they made his son Josiah king in his place. The rest of the events of Ammon's reign, along with his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. He was buried in his tomb in the Garden of Uzzah, and his son Josiah became king in his place. All right, now that is 2 Kings 21. We will catch the the parallel account here. A couple thoughts along the way here as we turn pages, so to speak. By the way, that 55-year reign of Manasseh was the longest in Judah's history. Now, the writer of Kings blamed Manasseh's reign for the Lord's destruction of Jerusalem and deportation to Babylon. Interestingly, the chronicler's account of Manasseh's reign departs from the narrative, at least part of it, by including the unusual story of Manasseh's imprisonment in Assyria. Second Chronicles 33. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. He did what was ah, evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had torn down and reestablished the altars for the Baals. He made Asherah poles, and he bowed in worship to all the stars in the sky and served them. He built altars in the Lord's temple where the Lord had said, Jerusalem is where my name will remain forever. He built altars to all the stars in the sky in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. He passed his sons through the fire in the Ben-Hanam Valley. He practiced, but by the way, just in case you're missing that, that's child sacrifice, right? It, it's about as abominable as it gets. He practiced witchcraft, divination, and sorcery, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight, angering him. Manasseh set up a carved image of the idol, which he had made, in God's temple, that God had spoken about David, or to David and his son Solomon about, when he said, I will establish my name forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel." I will never again remove the feet of the Israelites from the land where I stationed your ancestors, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them through Moses, all the laws, statutes, and judgments. So Manasseh caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to stray, so that they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Now the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they didn't. Listen, 
So he brought against them the military commanders of the king of Assyria. They captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, he... (laughs) Crazy idea here. Lots of prayer going on in foxholes. When he was in distress, (laughs) he sought the favor of the Lord his God and earnestly humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. He prayed to him, and the Lord was receptive to his prayer. He granted his request and brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. So Manasseh came to know that the Lord is God. After this, he built the outer wall of the city of David from West Gihon in the valley to the entrance of the fish gate. He brought it around Ophel and he heightened it considerably. He also placed military commanders in all the fortified cities of Judah. He removed the foreign gods and the idol from the Lord's temple, along with all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the Lord's temple and in Jerusalem, and threw them outside the city. He built the altar of the Lord and offered fellowship and thanksgiving sacrifices on it. Then he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. However, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Pause. $4 theology word you can look up syncretism. (laughs) Continuing, the rest of the events of Manasseh's reign, along with his prayer to God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are written in the events of Israel's kings. His prayer about how God was receptive to his prayer and all his sin and unfaithfulness and the sites where he built high places and set up Asherah poles and carved image before he humbled himself, they are written in the events of Hosei. Manasseh rested with his ancestors and was buried in his own house. His son Ammon became king in his place. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images that his father Manasseh had made, and he served them. But he did not humble himself before the Lord like his father Manasseh had humbled himself. Instead, Ammon increased his guilt. So his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his own house. The common people killed all who had conspired against King Ammon. And they made his son Josiah king in his place. Well, my friends, that is um, more of the soap opera circa 697 to 642 (laughs) B.C.-ish. (laughs) <laughs> right in that period of time. We're going to wrap up today with a with a psalm that is kind of unique in that it's a, a psalm for people who are aging, right? That's part of why I chose to begin with that opening theme of just reminding us that God, God and Jesus in particular has power over disorder, disease, and death. And if there's a message of this psalm, Psalm 71, it's that aging believers can trust God to continue to be faithful to them now and forever. Psalm 71. Lord, I seek refuge in you. Let me never be disgraced. In your justice, rescue and deliver me. Listen closely to me and save me. Be a rock of refuge for me where I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and fortress. 
Deliver me, my God, from the power of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and oppressive, for you are my hope, Lord God, my confidence from my youth. I have leaned on you from birth. You took me from my mother's womb. My praise is always about you. I am like a miraculous sign to many, and you are my strong refuge. My mouth is full of praise and honor to you all day long. Don't discard me in my old age as my strength fails. Do not abandon me. For my enemies talk about me. Those who spy on me plot together saying, God has abandoned him. Chase him and catch him for there's no one to rescue him. God, do not be far from me. My God, hurry to help me. May my adversaries be disgraced and destroyed. May those who intend to harm me be covered with disgrace and humiliation. But I, I will continually hope and will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell about your righteousness and your salvation all day long, though I cannot summon them up. I come because of the mighty acts of the Lord God. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. God, you you have taught me from my youth, and I still proclaim your wondrous works. Even while I'm old and gray, God, do not abandon me. While I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come, because your righteousness reaches the heights, God. You who have done great things, God, who is like you? You caused me to experience many troubles and misfortunes, but you will revive me again. You will bring me up again, even from the depths of the earth. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Therefore, I will praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing to you with a lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you because you have redeemed me. Therefore, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness all day long, for those who intend to harm me will be disgraced and confounded. My friends, did you hear the echo of resurrection? And that's not just Jesus. That's all who trust in Jesus. You will revive me again, says verse 20. You will bring me up again, even from the depths of the earth. Because, Lord God, we trust you. And this is just me praying. Lord God, thank you that you are sovereign over disorder and disease and death. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.